Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about me, Danny, and my business partner slash best bro, Sam. I'm in a long-term relationship with Jennifer Connolly, while Sam is married to Winona Ryder. Yes, everything is going swell for us. Our respective love lives are obviously great, and our car design business was recently approached by Dodge, which I assume is a car company, to pitch them an eco-friendly car. We set to work on nailing the presentation. However, while I'm out shopping, I see Winona kiss a handsome stranger, who I later learn is called Zip. This provides me with something of a dilemma. Because I obviously want to tell Sam about his wife's infidelity, but I'm worried the stress it will cause him will mean the presentation will suffer. Ironically, my own behaviour becomes a little erratic because I'm carrying around such a you know, terrible burden of truth. And my long-term girlfriend, still Jennifer Conley, thinks my behaviour is down to my recurrence of a gambling problem I apparently have. Anyway, she organises an intervention <laughs> for me <laughs> with my family and friends. Is what I would be saying if this were a podaptation of Overlooked Gem... The Dilemma, with two M's. Uh, bad grammar, America? This is, in fact, just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Dan Moran, and joining me is my overweight, average-looking friend with an inexplicably hot wife, Sam Foster. Hello! In honour of Jeff Nichols' new sci-fi chase film, this week's episode is a Midnight Special special, recorded at midnight, and guest-starring the original lineup of ska-punk legends, The Specials. Unfortunately, an ongoing legal dispute between their manager and Film Chat's financial backers means that they are here, but their lawyer has instructed them not to speak. Jerry, Tim, Linval, Silverton, Sir Horace, thank you for coming. We also take a look at Hardcore Henry, the video gamey action thriller shot entirely from a first-person perspective. It's so completely saturated with guns, blood, explosions, and boobies, I kept expecting my mum to burst into the cinema and demand that I switch it off and go to bed. Plus, as Matthew Vaughn preps the Kingsman sequel, rumours surface that he is wooing the pinball wizard, which surprisingly is not a euphemism for anything. Cinema chain AMC contemplates the most patronising multiplex marketing move since Odeon offered every woman going by herself to see The Purge a warmed prosthetic hand to squeeze in the scary bits. And in news so cool it physically hurts, otherworldly pop genius St. Vincent is set to become a film director. Ouch! That's how much it hurt. Because it's so cool. All that should leave just enough time for the specials bassist Sir Horace Gentleman to explain... That's his real name. (laughs) (laughs) To explain why it means so much to him to be on the podcast. He is legally unable to open his mouth, of course, so I'll be speaking on his behalf by interpreting his gestures. He's currently raising his middle finger at me, which I believe means play the introductory theme music. Good idea, Sir Horace. 
films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John Woo films, films that star Peter Fitch, films by David Lynch, films short, films six hours long. We've got films up to your gills with films, 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 movies. Are you feeling comfortable? Film chat has begun. Chris Young wrote in this week, he says, Hi, film chat. I was quite taken by these words here from Mickey Rourke, and it made me wonder, if you were running for prayers... Which actor would you want to endorse you and which to tear into your opponent? So the story here is that Mickey Rourke has waded into the US presidential election debate and made it absolutely clear that he is not a fan of Donald Trump. Rolling Stone reports him as saying, I'd rather stick a 38 up my ass and pull the trigger than vote for Donald Trump. That was my Mickey Rourke impression there. Nice. Um, a few months later, he called Trump a big-mouthed bitch bully and expressed his desire to have 30 seconds in a room with the little bitch to give him a piece of his mind. Wow. That's really out-trumping Trump's rhetoric there yeah. from Mickey Rourke. So who, should, who would you like to have an endorsement? Maybe it would be good to get the endorsement of uh, the Thesps, because they do a lot of declamatory speeches, don't they? McKellen, Stewart. Yeah. Anyone who can do that Henry V speech in a way that will rouse the troops can presumably rouse your supporters as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe Tom Hiddleston would be good. Michael Sheen was um, has done some good speechifying, political speechifying. That's true. I think I'd like Sheen's endorsement. So if you're an American candidate, you want the you've got to think tactically. So you want like oh I see Rosie that's a good Perez, point. Yeah, Louis Guzman. I'm trying to think of prominent Latino actors. John Lee Guzmiano. <laughs> there's not that many. It's quite easy to think of them. Well, I thought you meant think tactically. Like you want the old white guys. No, but who's you the w- most cow? Who's like the most cowboy person? Clint? Alden Ehrenreich? Yeah. You want Clint, right? You want Clint I would want Clint. I think that's... I mean, not only is he perfect for getting those, like, red meat... I don't want to sound too contemptuous and dismissive and generalizing about people who have different political views to me. But, you know, the Hicks, the idiot Hicks. <laughs> yeah. I want to get uh, Clint Eastwood on side for them. And also, he's scary, isn't he? Yeah. You know, I've seen Gran Torino. If I was at the polling booth and I was about to cast for Bernie and he was like, What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. First, you've got to check that he's talking to you and not an invisible person on a chair directly behind you. But if he is speaking to you, then you'll be a bit, you'd be like, whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, Clint. Oh, I'll put the trumpet is, Clint. Yes, Mr. Eastwood. Do you think that when he starts to lose his marbles a bit in his old age and uh, his speech starts to become a bit less, well, you know, intoned yeah. and a bit less clear, I don't think he will lose much because that's... Damn you. That's really the main thing with Clint, isn't it? I think he can just growl his way through most situations. Chris wins Correspondee of the Week by corresponding in twice. Well done. His second bit of correspondence was alerting us to a shocking news story that AMC, have, uh, who own a big, large theatre chain in the States, are about to merge with a company called Carmike. And this means there might be some changes in the theatre, meaning it will 
be suited to millennials who have no respect for the theatre. Yeah, they want to broaden the appeal to millennials who they're worried aren't going to the cinema as much as previous generations. And what do millennials love? You know, BuzzFeed. There could be BuzzFeed on the back of every seat. Um, they love... What um, else do they like? I'm old, man. I don't, I don't know. know. Twitch? You can have a live Twitch stream of some online gaming going on, maybe, while the movie is going, in case you get bored. Maybe, like, a small screen with the movie on, in addition to the big screen, because millennials like to switch their screens. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm just sort of brainstorming yeah. for millennials. But <laughs> what is the this? CEO... Adam Aaron of AMC Entertainment, he's got some ideas of his own. He says, I'll do it in how I imagine he talks. Sure. When you tell a 22-year-old to turn off the phone, don't ruin the movie, they hear, please cut off your left arm above the elbow. You can't tell a 22-year-old to turn off their cell phone. That's not how they live their life. Aaron believes that AMC needs to reshape our product in some concrete ways so that millennials go to movie theaters with the same degree of intensity as baby boomers went to movie theaters throughout their lives. <laughs> right, okay. I don't that know makes if no he's, sense. I don't know if he's really talking about it in that tone, but... Yeah, I find it very patronizing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, like, for one thing, I don't think phone culture is unique to young people. Not at all. I'm pretty sure it's very universal. I don't know if all the millennials he's speaking to are like professional journalists or something. but And it's not like people aren't going purely because they can't use their phone for two hours. If you're the kind of person who's so obnoxious that they play on their phone during a movie, there's no one, you know, saying you can or cannot do it is going to stop you. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, you know, I want to go see the movies, but I love playing on my phone. Oh, I can play on my phone. Okay. Do you think there's like a genuine audience of people out there who are irritated that during a film they can't be texting or something? They aren't like, oh, I wish I could send that text now. No. You ever like that? You ever like, I wish I could go on Tinder now. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> like in the middle of the film. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'm not sure that there's the audience for this idea that Aaron imagines. Um, and The Verge, who was reporting the story, asked him if there might be certain sections of their new cinema screens that allow texting. And he says, that's one possibility. What may be more likely is we take specific auditoriums and make them more texting friendly. So it's not going to be like a smoking section in the corner of the theatre where you can do all your texting. Yeah. But it's just going to, you'll go to screen five, the texting screen. Yeah, yeah. And you'll be in there and you can be like, Mom, this movie is great. This bit was brilliant, you know. Brilliant. This bit is scary. Don't, you know, close your eyes half an hour in. This is, you know, in the culture war against these people, mm. this is this is succeeding too many too much ground to the barbarians. You it know? is. You've got to draw a line in the sand and be like, listen, you just, you can't do it. Yeah. You know. I don't care whether every cinema chain is ground to dust because the millennials weren't visiting. Where does, you know, we start letting them text. Where does it end? Where does it end? You know, they'll just be like murdering, rape, pillaging, fucking, fucking, felching. <laughs> I'm trying to watch the they'll Jungle Book. Everything. There's yeah. just a guy felching somebody in front of me. It's yeah. like, oh, this is the felching friendly screening. It's like, oh, great, <laughs> great, great, great. Can I join in? Actually, this is a great idea. I take it all back. Sorry, <laughs> I cannot wait. That sarcastic the... great turned into an enthusiastic yeah, great. I was thinking, I said it sarcastically and then I thought about it and I realized it's a great idea. I'm all for it. Let yeah. the texting commence. Yeah, we can't have, we can't have a sort of orgiastic party of fucking eating, texting and blogging like in the cinema screen while the movie is playing. Not at all. That would be really confu- yes. like distracting. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Christian Bale would like it. You'd find it fucking distracting. And when people text in the movie. I'm really into the funny voices today. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so thanks for raising our heart rates, our temperatures with that story, Chris. It was aggravating, but kind of thrilling. To yeah, read. thanks, man. 
Superhero films announced, casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's fit to print. News time. So, one of the favorite recurring film chat topics is the movie Kingsman. If you're a devotee of film chat, you will have heard us very frequently dragging Kingsman out and giving it a rap on the knuckles for being bad. Yes. And then setting it back <laughs> where it lives. In the manner of a sort of Victorian schoolmaster. Yeah. <laughs> scolding Kingsman. Yeah, precisely. We didn't like the first one. We didn't like it. But old Kingsman is in the past. We have more Kingsman on the way. And I think it's safe to say that you and I will be keeping a very open mind as to how Kingsman, the Golden Circle, will turn out. I'm... I'm assuming Golden Circle is going to turn out to be a sex act performed on an unwilling woman right at the end of the film as a joke. I hope so. It's my favourite bit. <laughs> I love Kingsman. So, there's been a bunch of different news things coming up about this recently. First of all, Colin Firth is probably going to be back. Yeah. Spoiler for Kingsman, he dies. In, yeah. In Kingsman. Spoiler for Kingsman, the Golden Circle, he lives. He's back. <laughs> And also joining the cast as of today, Channing Tatum, for some reason. What? <laughs> yeah, he tweeted about it. Oh, God. And he's like, so psyched to be all up in that golden circle or something like that. Oh, no. I think it's because he can't do Gabbard anymore, and he's like, I'll just do something else. What is the next thing that I notice? <laughs> Kingsman. So Channing's, Channing's in it. And even more surprisingly, pop legend Elton John appears to be in talks to appear in Kingsman. Yeah. This was a story broken by The Hollywood Reporter... First Paul McCartney in Pirates 5. Now Elton John and Kingsman, just old rockers just got to go. Weren't we joking about that earlier? Like all the old, when we were talking about Paul McCartney, we were talking about like loads of old rockers coming back and it's actually fucking happening. Wait a second, maybe you're like some sort of Nostradamus-like figure. Whatever you say on this episode, two episodes time will be reporting as a it news story. It true. I can't yeah. believe you married Jennifer Lawrence. <sighs> oh, good one, man. But wait, I have to say that, yeah. don't I? I can't believe I'm marrying Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Maybe you want to... And, I, oh. <laughs> help me out here, man. Um, who was that actress he had that erotic dream about years ago? <laughs> Didn't you have some, like, sexy dream about someone? Oh, yeah, of um, the woman who played Lavender Brown. I had a strange dream. This is a bit of, This will make the book. I was like, yeah. is it Lavender Brown? Like, Ron's insane girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, that's what she's called, yeah. Yeah. And I had a dream about her, and, like, that we were, like, together. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was, like, soulmates. And then I was like... Maybe she is. Maybe the dream was, like, prophetic. Yeah. So I Googled her, and she's, like, this sort of insane artist. <laughs> and, like... So I was you were like, all... yes. And I was like, yeah. And then I saw her at a comedy gig, and she was heavily pre- heavily pregnant. So I think that ship's, that ship's gone, man. I, I mean, I was attracted to her in my dream, but then I looked her up in reality, and it, right. there's yeah. no spot. And then I saw her in, in actual reality, and she was heavily pregnant with someone's child. So I really don't think it's going to work out. So she didn't seem either available or attractive. No. Okay. Well, you know, she's an attractive woman, but just personality-wise, I don't think we're going to click. But, but if you did get together with her, it would be a dream come true, just not something you wanted to happen. It's <laughs> very true. Yeah. So I can't believe Danny is dating whoever the actress is who played Lavender Brown. Oh, man. <laughs> Astonishing. Anyway, that's quite um, a tangent. Anyway, Elton, Elton John. Elton might be in Kingsman the Golden Circle. Oh, my God. I think if there's one thing to correct the flaws of the original, it's the presence of Elton John. Would he put his name to anything that wasn't great? I don't think so. The Lion King, great. Tommy, great. The Simpsons, great. Billy Elliot musical. Is he in that? He wrote it. Oh, okay. Is that great? Yes. Great. 
yes, I mean, I think that's one of those like wacky stories ones to watch. Now Michael Caine is in it. They just need like an old man who wears glasses to be in it. Do you think that's it? Oh shit, that's a good point. Actually, yeah, because his glasses. Do you think he's going to be like the glasses manufacturer or something? Yes. You know, they're going to like find the source of the person who makes their crazy spy glasses. I wouldn't be surprised if and the then commercial like, times of the first movie, there's probably a whole new range of like shit they're trying to peddle on the second one. Yeah. <laughs> and his glasses are look like their glasses, but it's like three times the size and has three times the gadgets and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's brilliant. From one aging rocker to a young and beautiful one, um, St. Vincent... There is an all-female horror anthology in the works, which already sounded extremely cool. I hadn't heard about it. It's called XX, and there are going to be four parts. Each part is directed by a different woman. So one part is being directed by a woman called Jovanka Vukovic. Do you know who that is? No. Do you know the Captured Birds, her, her work? I don't no. know who that is. Um, boxing Helena's Jennifer Lynch. Jennifer Lynch, the daughter of David Lynch, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and another one by Karen Kusama, who's the director of The Invitation, which I've a title of which I've heard, but I don't know anything else about it. Um, and they have added the fourth director, and it is Annie Clark, better known as St. Vincent. Um, and it's her directorial debut. She's never made a film before. She's good at most things. She seems very competent, yeah. right? She's a great guitarist. She's a brilliant composer. She's good at football, apparently. She's got a hot girl. You me earlier. Well, she's just good at that. She's good at getting a hottie to date. Well, I think it reflects well on her that she has such a hot girlfriend. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a single person with a beautiful girlfriend who isn't great. Yeah, and that's about all we know about that. Um, except that it has a really fucking cool poster, if you want to Google it, of like a pair of lips that's also a skull. What? what? Sex and death. Sex and death. Women and death. It looks awesome. So we need more details about that. We're not content with just that story. And Annie agreed to be on the podcast before, so we thought maybe she... Shall I give her a call? Yeah. I'll give her a call. Just give her a call. Hospital St. Vincent. Yeah. St. Vincent, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Pleasure to have you. How's your day been so far? Take out the garbage masturbate? Oh my goodness. Well, uh, so, St. Vincent, we hear you're working on a film now, one part of an anthology directed by women? Yeah. Excited? Yeah. Is the film going to be good? Yeah. Is Jeremy Piven in it, playing a young Jeremy Corbyn? Yeah. Wow, I really thought that one was just a shot in the dark. So, are there any films you're looking to for inspiration uh, for this one, like any films by Eric Roma, for example? Maybe a film made in 1972 directed by Eric Roma. Pretty sure just called Chloe in the Afternoon one time there, Annie. Not like three times in a row, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, anyway, this has been an astonishingly short chat, but a very informative one. And unfortunately, we have to go because we are overshooting on our recording. But just uh, wanted to ask if you have any final thoughts. I mean, you know, of course I'll marry you, St. Vincent, but I'm not called John. Um, you must, are you thinking of my brother? Are you thinking of my brother John, St. Vincent? St. Vincent? Are you there, St. Vincent? She's gone, man. She only spoke to us because she thought I was my brother, and she wanted to marry him. Sad.
So, Midnight Special. That's a big movie with not really movie stars in, but people you know. Yeah, it's an odd one. It feels like one of those um, medium-level blockbusters that they said they didn't make anymore. But they have. But they have. Uh, so this is written and directed by Jeff Nichols, who previously made Mud and Take Shelter and Shotgun Stories, all of which were very well received. So the plot is as follows. So the film starts with Roy, who's Michael Shannon, and his friend Lucas, played by Joel Edgerton, uh, traveling across Texas with a young boy called Alton. And we quickly learn that Alton is Roy's son, who he is just, quote-unquote, kidnapped, if you can kidnap your own son, from a Waco-like Christian ranch. And Alton has some special powers, and he's been picking up and repeating encrypted military signals uh, from satellites that are flying overhead. And the members of the ranch think he's the savior or the second coming and are determined to get him back. Meanwhile, the FBI also think he's a security risk, and so they're out to get him as well. And what follows is a sort of chase movie slash soulful meditation on parenthood with more than a few nods to classic Spielberg movies. So I found this to be a slightly frustrating watch where... All the components of a great movie were in there, but there was a flaw in the way the material was approached that meant it never felt like it was really getting into gear. Yeah, because you were excited for this one. I was it? excited because I like Mud a lot, and I just ju- like Jeff Nichols, and I like the cast, and I had a cool trailer, and I was like, like you were saying, medium-level indie blockbuster sci-fi thing. You don't get many of these kind of movies. Um, but it wasn't really some of its parts. It is really well-directed. You have to give it that by Jeff Nichols. And the cinematography by the DOP, Adam Stone, is really excellent. And a lot of the film is shot either at night or at dusk or when the sun's coming up. And it's got this amazing kind of color palette throughout that um, really sums up the slightly offbeat uh, nature of the film. And there's also some really well-executed action moments, particularly in the first stretch of the movie. And there's a very kind of brilliantly done series of scenes at the beginning where you're kind of thrown into the story and like the film's already like two hours ahead and like yeah. you're catching up and you're like who are they? who are these people who are these people who are these people and i would say that when the film kind of embraces the chase movie aspect when they're actually like moving physically it kind of works but in between these scenes of like tension or like supernatural goings on they're like very leisurely paced calm before the storm scenes and they're just not that good and it's supposed to be this sort of soulful atmosphere, but there's just not enough going on. And I don't think it's really saying that much, but presenting as if it is. Do you feel like it was a thing where Jeff Nichols was like, this is so personal, but it was like only meaningful to him? You know? Well, I don't know, because there's been a lot of rave reviews for this film. And it is definitely like, seems to be a thing of you get it or you don't. Right. And I think I'm on the don't side of things. And for me, the crux of the issue, why I'm kind of down on it, is that the characters are quite sketchily drawn. And this is mitigated by some good acting and it has this cool kind of 70s feel to the movie and that extends to the casting where it's all these sort of not conventionally handsome guys who are like character actors. Like it's kind of cool that Michael Shannon and George are the leads. And yeah, one of the cool things about Jeff Nichols' films is that uh, Michael Shannon's in all of them. They've got this director-actor partnership and he gives Michael Shannon roles as caring family men. Uh, which is a recurring theme in his movies, and the rest of Hollywood just does not give him these roles. So it's kind of cool to see Michael Shannon as this caring dad, but he doesn't really have enough to do, and I feel like his casting is almost 
a miscasting because he's so physically distinctive and he's just got to be stoic and has like four lines in the thing that he he's a bit trapped in the role and the movie just makes him do the same thing over and over again it doesn't like it's a bit predictable in that manner and Kirsten Dunst has really drawn the short straw in that you could literally remove him from the film and it would be the same hmm. and it feels like he realized that everyone in the film was a guy and he had to inject a, a woman, woman in somewhere yeah. because uh, there's literally no other named women in the film. That's a shame. But the actor who plays Alton, Jardin Lieberherrer, I'm maybe pronouncing his name a bit more Germanic than it's written. <laughs> he was the kid in St. Vincent. And he's excellent. He's like, I don't know if he's a brilliant actor or he's just like a bit weird. And they've captured this perfectly on screen. But he completely convinces as a sort of supernatural presence. But saying that, I thought that was almost a flaw in the movie because he's so... Uh, such a sort of wise spirit in the guise of a child. There's no vulnerability to him at all. That the premise of the film about them protecting this kid was a as like this kid's gonna be fine. He's like a super, you know. He seems yeah. to know what's going on more than anyone else in the movie. That's funny because I kind of felt the same way about Saint Vincent. Maybe they saw that and, like this kid has got so much moxie about him that he's. Uh... Well, I mean, the, in the movie, you're supposed you don't really worry for his safety. It's all about him like going to a new school and being bullied and stuff, and he's just totally like cool as a cucumber. Well, yes, yeah, just that taken to the nth degree, but with um, like laser eyes, <laughs> laser eyes. He was good, but I, I think they just the concept of the character was a bit off. But the highlight is Adam Driver, who plays a slightly gawky military scientist who's been um, roped in by the FBI. He's like a satellite expert, and I kind of wish the focus of the film was on him because he's the only guy who really changes in the film. And one of the problems is that all the characters, their arc is complete by the time the film starts. And you feel like the real drama between the parents would be like realizing your kid is this superhuman being and grappling with that. But by the time the film starts, they've completely accepted this mad thing and they're just trying to like protect him. So it becomes a bit predictable. And the only real surprises in the film are these big special effects sequences, which are admittedly spectacular. There's some really excellent scenes in it. But I don't know. There's stuff to recommend about it. Jeff Nichols is kind of interesting because he's like a sort of... This is like an annoying poster quote, but it's like he's got a sort of Mark Twain via Spielberg aspect to his movies. They're like these Southern Gothic outsider tales, but also got this kind of family Spielbergy thing going on. And that was particularly true of Mud, which is basically uh, if E.T. was Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is the basic premise of that movie. But what I found with Midnight Special is that rather than taking a Spielbergy concept and putting it in a different place, because it's sci fi. It references Close Encounters of the Fur Kind a bit too much. Right. And I don't think that movie is that good to begin with. I think it's like a very flawed film, but I think Jeff Nichols thinks it's like a masterpiece. And so maybe he's emulating something. I don't think is that, you know, maybe I was never going to be on board with this film. But going back to Spielberg, he's trying to ape Spielberg, but Spielberg is so open-hearted, I mean, sometimes to his detriment in a sort of cheesy way. But this film was very serious, and there's not much levity in it. And what I would say, like, my pithy review would be, it's got a lot of spectacle, but hasn't got much wonder. Right. Or, yeah. And it feels like it tries to have that at the end of the movie. It's like, but, what, you know, but it sort of comes out of nowhere. It doesn't feel like it's earned. So I was a bit, I don't know, it, it kind of confused me. It's like everything about this movie, there's no individual bad thing about it, but I just couldn't, yeah. I wasn't getting Didn't into sell it. itself to you. No. But That's I did like Adam Driver. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. He's always great. He's always great. Anyway, enough about that sort of, you know, aspiration. I hate serious break. films, and I also hate films with plots, and that's why I went to see Hardcore Henry. You've probably seen the posters around uh, if you've been catching the tube, and it's like a kind of upside down city, and like a guy holding guns, and you're like looking at it from his perspective. Brilliant. And I'd say that's selling the film in quite a accurate way. It's also <laughs> guns, first person perspective, a city. Yeah, exactly. So it was made off the back of a YouTube video, viral YouTube music video, and it kind of resembles a computer game. It's all from a first person perspective, and you basically are sitting inside someone's skull while they go around doing a lot of shooty, explosive, fighty stuff. Their plot barely exists. <laughs> but um, the setup is Henry, the hardcore Henry of the title, um, to Mr. and Mrs. Henry, a son hardcore. He's a reanimated cyborg trying to rescue his wife, and he's fighting off a bunch of goons who are working for a platinum blonde Russian villain who just has unexplained psychic powers. And in the process, he gets occasional help and some exposition from Charlotte Copley. Charlotte Copley. Charlotte Copley. Um, who's doing a variety of. British accents are even worse than me doing uh, his name in a South African accent. So here is a clip of uh, Henry, who is mute, by the way, he doesn't speak in the film. Here's a clip of him meeting Charlotte for the first time. All right, let's have a look at you. Open the glove box, please. Take out that whole contraption. You've got to untangle the wires. Take your shirt off, please. Open up there. Yeah, those. Plug the jacks. In there. Yeah, in there. So, your name's Henry, and... Okay, well, the good news is that you're going to live a while. The bad news is that, in this case, a while means 20, 30 minutes tops, Henry. Unless you're very, very lucky. There's some clothes in there. Put the hoodie on. There's not enough time. I can just cover the blood up with it back. Just stay calm, and I'll be handling this here. Yeah, so this has had a bit of a critical mauling from a lot of people. Is yeah. There's been a few one-star reviews flying around, and I can see why. I think it's one of those films where it's, it, it depends It depends on your reaction to the premise. And I think if someone was like, how do you feel about the idea of sitting and spending 90 minutes watching someone just literally like shooting people and jumping and things exploding in a different uh, perspective and in a variety of creative yeah. ways... Um, and if that sounds like that might be entertaining, then you'll probably enjoy the movie. And if you just like, I'd rather hang myself, you will hate it. Yeah. So I think that's the dividing line. It has the absolute bare minimum of plot and characters to constitute a story. And it really commits to you being entertained by the central gimmick. And anything in the film is not related to gunfire <laughs> or guts or explosions 
uh, or humor or something that plays with the central first person conceit is just completely inert and pointless. Yeah, so as I say, like if you're up for 90 minutes of cartoonish bloody violence, uh, speckled with slapstick and stupid accents and the occasional booby, um, or boobies, then you might have a blast with Hardcore Henry. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it fine. I yeah. think I, you know, I can get enough out of that. I was I was sold on the premise of the trailer and it delivered. Yeah. And that's all it delivered, really. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the music video. I would say that if you were considering this movie, the first thing I would do is look up the Bad Motherfucker music video by Biting Elbows. Is that yeah. what they're called? Uh, and if you enjoy that, then you might like Hardcore Henry. Uh, if you're like, I want to watch this music video 45 times in a row or something, then... um. <laughs> then, then there you go then there you go uh, the action is quite inventive and it's filled with variety and it gets pleasingly more insane as it progresses and the movie understands that in order to keep you interested it has to ramp up and it does so yeah I think for all its flaws which there are many you can't fault how the technique of it like the stunt guys you know it's a huge technical achievement to pull this off yeah and just on the basic of the stunts they pulled off which was, it was shot in Russia, so I think uh, human life is cheaper out there. So, <laughs> they have different uh, safety laws. Yeah. And it's they like, do some crazy stuff. They do some crazy, crazy stuff. stuff. And I was like, you know, that alone is pretty impressive. Yeah, and there's also just so many action sequences in it. Like, really a ridiculous number of them. And they have, they're quite well choreographed, I think. I think the movie is really displaying to you how dumb it is. It's like, I am dumb the whole time. And it's easy to overlook how neat some of the individual uh, sequences are and the construction of it. It's really just like a very sophisticated 90 minutes of a bunch of like lads kind of playing around in a garage with a GoPro. That's definitely true. So a lot of people have compared it to video games. It's kind of like uh, some of the critics have said it's like watching someone else play a computer game. I think that's kind of true. It's basically owes its aesthetic to video games and parts of its structure there's so little plot that it is literally just like missions missions you have to go to a building like that is it i mean it has much less story than most modern video games in fact that's true and it's probably closer to some kind of arcade shoot 'em up but other than the sort of aesthetic of it what it's more like is a film like crank um that jason statham action movie which is just like what is the most insane thing we can get jason statham to do at any one time uh meets a gif of someone falling off a trampoline I think that would be how I describe the tone. And there's some fun to seeing all that um, spectacular stunts and effects work done in what is really kind of terrible looking footage, you know? Like yeah. really jerky and blurry and like it looks like a home video in a lot of ways. Well, it was all shot on GoPro cameras, which are readily available. I think they're quite cheap, actually. And therefore, you know, to attach to your bike helmet when you're uh, cycling or to capture your awesome surf moves or whatever. And... I think that may have been a practical necessity or a budget necessity, but it doesn't serve the story particularly well. And those cameras are designed to capture as wide a frame as possible for tiny videos. And so I feel that sometimes it actually diminished the impressiveness of the stunts because they can't capture speed very well. Yeah. Um, as someone who has made a film on a GoPro. Yes. Um, yeah, like certain uh, doesn't represent physical space as well as it could so like if you're running forwards shooting on a gopro even if you're running really fast it kind of seems like you're not moving that fast yeah it, yeah it's like a, yeah it's a weird perspective thing and i also think with the actual um as you're saying because the because as a modern audience is so used to associating a pov aesthetic with video games even though all the stuff is done for real there's a certain weightlessness to the action in the same way we associate shaky footage with uh like it's more real yeah 
POV seems less real somehow. Yeah, and well, I also think that the movie isn't really trying to make you feel like the protagonist is in danger. Yeah. It's like, it's uh, it's a kind of like a kung fu movie or something, you know? It's just people leaping about, <laughs> uh, plus like blood splatters. Yeah, yeah. And there's no, there's no drama to it, like, whatsoever. It's just purely the fun of seeing someone get kicked that way or someone getting shot that way or like a car being blown up like that from that particular perspective. And I think that the the absurdity of it, it's a very knowing film. It's a very like winking film in a slightly lad Bible way, but still. <laughs> but I think that that's quite important because the fact that it is very aware of how silly the whole exercise is makes it a bit more accessible for people who aren't just like playing Counter-Strike and wanking 15 hours a day. And, uh, so not us. So, so, <laughs> so we're on board anyway, of course. Yeah. Um, because that describes our lives. Yeah, but I found it pretty funny. And there's this odd thing with Charlotte Copley's character that he keeps reappearing in different guises. And he's like, they're all sort of these random carry-on style archetypes. Like, he's like a posh sergeant major or like a hippie or a cokehead. Yeah, I think he brings the sort of madcap tone the film needs to work. Yeah. And, uh... He's very crucial to the film's success. Well, he's the only person, or barely the only person who has to do any, like, plot exposition. He or, makes like... it into just about a film, I think. Yeah, exactly. Presence. Like, without him, it would literally <laughs> just be a series of videos. And he is sort of trying to turn it into a film. Um, and there's a couple of moments where it tries to do something else, and those are very welcome. I actually would have liked to have seen a bit more of that. There's a kind of odd dance sequence, someone dance sequence with Charlotte Copley, uh, which was like, oh, it's something new. No one is, like, trying to blow anyone else up which is quite good. And I think that some of the reaction to it is a little unfair because movies like this come around every so often where they are not telling you a story so much as taking you on a ride. That's fine. And I think other movies try to turn themselves into a story in a way that's not always that convincing. So like Cloverfield, does anyone really give a shit about those stupid New Yorkers and their party? No. You know, you don't care, right? You're just literally watching the monster destroy New York and it's from a new perspective because it's that shaky cam thing, so it's kind of exciting. Yeah. And I even found, like, in a prestige film like Gravity, that I wasn't that invested in the characters. It's like Sandra Bullock Sandra mumbles. Bullock's she says something about the only about... astral ever in the history of yeah, space I hate travel. being in space. <laughs> well, the thing is that the movie is that's a roller coaster ride of a film, and it's great. But when just because she says I have a tragic past doesn't mean you care about her character. You know, yeah. the movie is too single-minded to really do that. Yeah, the one thing that I found slightly eye-rolling is that with the video game aesthetic, it's taking like a slightly juvenile masturbatory fantasy a- aspect to the thing where like yeah. there's a scene in a brothel for no reason, just for, just for some boobies. And uh, yeah, I think like I, re- I really enjoyed it, but I would be very wary if someone told me this was their favorite film. I'd be like, you might be an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> like I think I feel like, like this, someone's favorite film is like a thirteen-year-old. You know, it's a, people always complain like this movie is just for a thirteen-year-old boy, but I think this movie definitely is. It definitely it. is. <laughs> it really is. And I think the thing that's a shame is that the video game culture is so mainstream um, that I really think that there's no reason why a movie sort of taking on that shoot 'em up, mindless violence thing uh, shouldn't be accessible to a lot of people. Yeah. And the inclusion of loads of random boobies is just like telling this section of the audience that might otherwise be enjoying the movie, this is not for you. Yeah, this yeah. actually is for sweaty teens yeah, yeah, yeah. jerking off. And that's our audience. And if like you're not into this, then we didn't make this movie for you. You know, piss off. Uh, in a way that I think is kind of unnecessary. Yeah. So that was a shame. But 
it's a very frivolous film, so it's hard to get too worked up about it. Yeah, yeah. It's too stupid to really care. Yeah. Oh, my lad, oh, my lad, wish that Alfie was my dad. Tiny hair, fancy watch, brain located in my crotch. I'm a bloke, I'm a bloke, tell ironic sexist jokes. Like my lager, extra strength, keep my cubes a perfect length. So, we were talking last week about how Suicide Squad was um, doing some reshoots. What were you talking about this? Yeah, but they, they, they were trying to make their movie a bit lighter because Warner Brothers was right, their whole universe is a bit too dark. And in the spirit of lightness and fun, there's a news story that's broken about Jared Leto, who's playing the Joker, and he has been bringing the fun in a big way to the cast. Jared Leto is one of those people who, he's got quite a punchable face, I would say. Yeah. He's just intrinsically quite an annoying seeming man. Yeah, he's got that shitty band as well, playing shitty music. Yeah, that's pretty annoying. Yeah. He seems to think the Joker is more of the prankster. And he was having an interview recently with a guy from E! Entertainment, um, in which he was talking about the way he approached this role off-screen when he was around with the cast. Um, and here's them chatting. Now, how about the gifts you gave everyone? Rats, bullets, a hog. Where did that come from? Don't forget the uh, anal beads. Where did you send anal beads to? The used condoms. You did not. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was... Step back, friend, you can't just say use condoms and we're just going to, like, forget... You know, it, I know it's a family show, but we can, worry, we can but educate people here. At least they were used. Uh, Who did you send used condoms to? Oh, everybody. Okay, so just to briefly go over what Jared Leto's been up to, according to this clip, he has sent cast members gifts. Those include rats, bullets, a hog... Condoms, used condoms, and anal beads. So, <laughs> they use condoms. Yeah. So it's like part of his process is like the Joker. He's like the Joker is either having sex like a lot, or I mean, how many how many condoms are we talking? It like well, it's quite a big cast, isn't it? It's an ensemble. Yeah. It's not just a sort of chamber piece. That's like there's a but big cast. Do they get like one a day, all of them? Is it like I don't know. He must be just you know jerking off into those, right? Do you think it, does that just, just mean unrolled though? Is it used once it's just been unrolled? You know what I mean? Or does it have to actually have semen in it to be used? I felt like that would be... Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I felt like that would be more of a story. Like, he sends people semen. That's, like, sexualist harassment. That's weird. Especially, like, his female cast members. Yeah. It's not right at all, is it? That's not right, is it? That's not right. <laughs> Don't do it. I feel like maybe he's just taking them out of the packet and unrolling them. Yeah. Maybe he's got a batch of synthetic semen that he's made for himself. <laughs> I don't know. Can you somehow make milk a bit more viscous? You know what you could use? Mix it that, with gelatin. That um, Clarisol blackhead removal scrub. <laughs> you ever use that? No, I don't think so. Is it very semeny? Very cum-like texture. Cum-like. <laughs> I would describe it as like, when you're applying it, you're like, Ooh. this is just someone's cum. Yeah. It's a real facial, basically, when you're putting it on. That's my joke. That's my Clarisol cum spread joke. Yeah, so maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe he's got skin problems, and he was rubbing his thing into his face, and he was like, this is a bit of a cum. This is horrible. And then he's like, but I'm the Joker in this film, and I can do something with this. What would the Joker do if he had to put Clearasil on, and it was sim- similar to semen? I can just a prank to be had. Oh, Jesus. Sounds exhausting working with him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'd find it that funny, but maybe that's the point. Because, like, in Batman... People rarely find the Joker's jokes, like, hilarious. Yeah. You know, he's not very funny, is he? That's like, yeah. 
So if Jared Leto was telling people genuinely hilarious jokes, it would really go against the point. Yeah, but I feel like that Jared Leto thinks that's really funny. Yeah, he definitely... He's very pleased with himself. He's very pleased. He's got to remind the reporter about the anal beads and the condoms. Yeah. Because the reporter was only going on rats and bullets. Which what about is, my anal beads? Don't forget about the anal beads! You know what I think is incredible about this news? Is that it raises the possibility that Lex Luthor is not going to be the most annoying villain of the year. Wow, yeah, yeah, it's Like, true. when you watch The Dark Knight, you're terrified of Heath Ledger. And yeah. when you watch Suicide Squad, you might just actually just want to kill. He's like a villain in that you want him to be killed. That's but true. just in a kind of, oh, I'm just so fucking annoying. You've got a stupid grill. You're like some sort of weird punk rock joker. Yeah, so um, we're not impressed. And by the sounds of things, neither are Jared Leto's cast members. And we'll leave you with their reactions as that reporter went straight on to speak to Will Smith and Margot Robbie and stuff. And they go into some more detail about it. And it you can really, I don't know, you can hear the sadness in their voice. And when you watch the clip, you can see the sadness in their eyes. Hashtag sadness in their eyes. Hashtag sadness in their eyes. Anyway, so listeners, I want to apologize if this has been a bit of a rambly one. I don't know what it's going to be like once it's been edited. But it's safe to say that it's not been the tightest affair. Um, it's a ramble chat. It's been a ramble chat, as Adam Buxton would say. But we've had fun. We've had fun. You've had fun. We've all had fun. Fun has been had. Yeah, we, we, I got that. Jared, Jared said... Wait, 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 um, wait, we can't just skip over that. Yeah, yeah. You're well, use condom. What do you say? What do you think? You, you know, you say Jared has gone full Joker. Jared, he went, he went full Joker, you know. And the rule generally is never go full Joker. Yeah. Did you get one? Yes, I got what do you so do? many weird things. I, I can't even begin to tell you the weird things I got. Give what me. did you think? I mean, by that point, I was I kind of felt like I knew the Joker a bit, so I it wasn't as alarming. But uh, yeah, there were many instances where I didn't know what to expect with Jared. I got a number of gifts from Jared. Okay, what he's some what he's which I don't like to talk about. Because you tell me, he sent people used condoms. Yeah, he sent used condoms and he know what he sticky Playboy magazines. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. But um, and and the and the dead pig. Yeah, but but that that was that was a good gift. You know why? Because it had the effect of unifying us as a group. Because then it became us against him, and we sent the messenger back with the dead pig with our own personalized message. So, ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It really, uh, it really, it, it got it, it got the, it got the ball rolling. <laughs>